Okay, today our, our topic is believing in God uh, when bad things happen. Certainly we have coronavirus in view as we discuss this. And uh, we also have the various uh, experiences that we all know of um, suffering, senseless suffering, bad things uh, that, um, that we are looking forward to talking about here. So as we go along, uh, as we've been doing, what we hope is that this is a bit more um, of um, a sort of live podcast style than it is a, uh, a talk. And so we want to encourage your participation. As Jen mentioned, she is monitoring our, uh, our chat section today. So please uh, feel free to chime in. Please feel free to guide us. Like, what do you want to, uh, we, our hope is that this is sort of a, uh, a discussion as we go. And so we, we've got some um, notes that we've sort of scrawled down to kind of uh, start the conversation, but with it, we'd love for you all to steer this in the direction that you feel would be most helpful for you all. This is a discussion that's on all of our minds. So, um, so that said, please uh, participate in the comments or the chats. Uh, however you would like to, and uh, D will surface, or excuse me, uh, Jen will surface those to us and uh, keep us moving. All right, so Kyle, uh, kick us off, believing in God when bad things happen. Yeah, so what it's like to live in a time like this where you have something that is so uh, kind of definitively destructive, uh, definitively disruptive, definitively um, uh, injuring and hurting, literally the health of people as well as all of us. Uh, I was, this is kind of like a, a, a corporate trauma that we are all kind of walking through at this point, something that we will surely remember for the rest of our life. And as these types of things happen, um, as often happens when big things like this happen in the world, you have people from faith communities and faith leaders all over trying to help make sense of this, uh, trying to understand it. and. I will say the majority of those attempts to understand it have have not hit me well personally. A lot of them have been trying to, you know, put it in the vein of somehow, you know, God's working in mysterious ways. This is somehow uh, going to work out for some kind of good or some version of this being a judgment of God or maybe one of the more corrosive ones is uh, this is actually something for for non followers of God to worry about and somehow, you know, God will protect us. So let's go ahead and gather with thousands of people in this church because surely this is, is something that's not actually for us. Um, but there's also been some, some people that have uh, tried to understand this and tried to approach this from positions of faith that have felt really helpful. Um, and particularly uh, N.T. Wright, uh, who was in Time Magazine this last week, uh, talked a lot about how uh, really what faith offers for us in this position is less so answers and more so lament. That felt more helpful to me. Um, and so as we are here, part of a faith community, I'm just curious, Vince, when you think about this, something that I think we can say is evil, broken, uh, wrong, bad happening in this world, and almost in a way something that's harder because it's harder to assign agency. Like, where did this come from? It's not like my neighbor punched me in my face. It's the world exploded with epidemic. Um, how do you kind of try to make sense of this, Vince? Yeah, uh, great question. Um, how do I try to make sense of this? So I, I, I teased on Facebook earlier this week of, um, I do think like whether we're talking about this kind of thing, I, I think this is uh, coronavirus and our crisis right now is a great example because of what you're saying, Kyle, because there is no like, 
there's there's no clear way to like assign agency like how how, how did this happen and um so it's an especially good that's okay <laughs> jenny jenny has a lot to say about this she's lived almost a whole year at this point everyone and so she i mean she knows like you know she's a classic american you live for one year and then you know things right guys sorry <laughs> no um so i i but i I think this is a great example of any of the sufferings that we experience. And we might ask like, why is this happening? Why is this particular thing happening? And that's so uh, grates against us. And, it, and it's a real challenge for many people, I think, to believe in a good God, because like, how can you believe in a good God when bad things happen? That's sort of the classic question. Um, and I guess the, the way that I make sense of this is um, I, the way that I believe in God or that I've come to learn to believe in God is slightly different than like the common notion of what believing in God means or a very common notion. Uh, and this is what I teased on Facebook. Um, I think that the, the common uh, understanding of what it means to believe in God is that God is behind everything that ever happens, right? That like, that's what's most of us, that's what it, most of us has absorbed. Uh, whether we're religious or we're not, we kind of assume that, yes, if you believe in God, then God is behind everything that ever happens. And so if something is happening that's terrible or bad or hard or there's some sort of suffering, God must have allowed it for some reason. And that, I think, is what you're alluding to, Kyle, where that can be, that can be pushed off in pretty harmful ways. And usually when we see those, we're like, uh-uh, I'm not touching that with a six-foot pole. Like, keep, keep me away. And we can, we can, we can brush those aside. But there are more subtle ways that we believe in that. And I think not even realize that we're believing in that idea of like the everything must come back to God in some way. So therefore, everything has to have a reason. And so I guess my my quickest answer, which is I, I think I have more to say on this before we're done here. But my quickest answer to your question, Kyle, is like, I think there's such a thing as senseless suffering. I think there are some things that happen in the world that don't actually have a reason or a lesson behind them because God's not behind them. And, and, and I think that opening yourself to, up to believe that those things might happen can feel very destabilizing if you're a person of faith uh, because it's like, wait, God, God's not in, in absolute control. That, that can feel destabilizing. But as, so for, for me personally, the way I come into this is somebody who, like I, lo I lost my mom to cancer before I was a spiritual person. And that's a huge part of my story. In fact, it was, out of an experience of being thrust into grief that I first met uh, God and first had a spiritual experience ever. And what I learned, I think like at least what, what I've experienced from that and what I think many people have come to find is that to be disabled is part of life. Like uh, how, I, like it, it's not really a question of whether, whether we, whether belief in God is uh, uh, like, is, can, can hold in the midst of all of this suffering. It's more like, well, actually like suffering just happens and maybe, God is not so much in, in, in this equation because everything comes back to him, but maybe life is, is, is actually like way more complex and that's scary. Yep. We, to, to believe that there are lots of forces that have say in what ends up happening. And, uh, and, and the way God presents himself in that is that God is the one who can hold all of that. God is the one who can experience all of that and not be overwhelmed and is creative to move us through. And God is certainly powerful to help us in that. But maybe all, all powerfulness isn't how, like the fact that everything comes back to God and everything can be traced back to him making things happen. Maybe all powerfulness has, is, is a different thing. And um, I'll, I'll leave it there because Kyle, I'm just curious, like, how is that hitting you? I certainly have more to say on that because this is a topic that gets me going, but yeah. how does that hit you? 
Yeah, I, you know, I think for me that this always feels complicated because the American uh, kind of evangelical raised person in me wants to have a really clear answer on this. Um, and I think probably uh, this is one of those things that I have somewhat surrendered the ability to have an answer for, um, which is why do bad things happen? Um, and, you know, it's, it's easier for me to wrestle with this when the bad things that happen have ownership in humanity. Like, it's easier for me to be like, uh, like, I can blame the bad things that happened of like, maybe some of the, the lack of precaution and the lack of uh, action taken to kind of prevent this pandemic from getting worse being a result of humanity and us being broken and flawed things that exist in this world necessarily to navigate life in that way. But something like a pandemic, something about illness, something about natural disasters really breaks down for me a lot of the answers I want to give. A lot of the answers that I want to like traditionally in the faith tradition, you know, it's like the um, the theology of free will, in order there, for there to be free will and for us to uh, choose, we also have to be able to choose evils. So therefore, I have to give permission for, you know, somebody to choose uh, kind of self-preservation over, uh, you know, making sure that we're adequately caring for the country right now. So, like, that's something I can assign value, uh, blame to and not have to wrestle with where God sits on that. But this feels much harder because this came out of something natural. You know, this came out of something like this. I think for me in this place, I know Vince and I have talked a little bit about this before. I'd, I'd be interested to hear think what you think about this is, is uh, I've actually come to wonder if it is, it is not actually the right task in life to be trying to understand why things happen. Um, and I think that perhaps what the faith tradition of Jesus offers most profoundly is less understanding and more uh, the ability to walk through what is already true. And I, you know, I'm a big fan of culture. This is one of the things about well, like a locus of control. Where do I think control exists in the world? And as Americans, we are incredibly focused on internal locus of control that I can kind of dictate my destiny in some kind of way. Um, and, and these types of things feel very challenging to that. Whereas the majority of the tradition of, of Jesus, certainly up until the kind of the 1500s Reformation has largely been external locus of control. I actually don't get to control what happens at all. And so what faith is trying to do is offer me support and help in the fact that I don't have control here. Um, and so I, the thing that actually generally makes me feel most uncomfortable is that uh, when people are trying to give clear answers for why this is happening from a faith perspective, I find that to be particularly um, where a lot of damage happens. And I, I think this is why I found this article from N.T. Wright so helpful from Time Magazine, because I think the title of his article, if you're curious, was Christianity Offers No Answers About the Coronavirus. It's not supposed to. That largely when the Bible is wrestling with questions of bad, evil, it's usually offering tools for healing, tools for lament, tools for hope. It's not actually trying to address that. I, but I'm curious if it's for you, I know that you tend to be a little bit more of a thinker. I tend to be a little bit more of a feeler between the two of us. How does that sit with you? How do you wrestle with the idea of like, do you think there is a pathway in trying to understand this in a, in a bigger picture? Or do you think that that's kind of maybe not serving us well as I maybe wonder? I'm curious how, what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, I appreciate the question. And I would love actually, if we can punt that all to, to all of you who are watching in, 
uh, whether I, I really like the terms that you put it on Kyle, like on the thinking side or on the feeling side of life, um, you know, how does this hit you? What questions does this leave you with? Um, so feel free to chime in. Um, yeah, I, um, I do. So I, I like the way you asked. I think um, seeking understanding is a very like important thing to me as somebody who's a bit more of a thinker. Um, but, uh, but I actually would, would wholeheartedly sign under what you said, which is that um, you, you have to get to a level of uncertainty with this. Um, and so I think the, the, the big thing like this feels really tied to our conversation last week around uncertainty and spirituality. Like is, is the, is spirituality coming in? Uh, is that supposed to uh, meet the uncertainties of our day, whether it is being in this coronavirus situation or whether whatever it is personally to us is, is what spirituality is supposed to do to be such a gift to us. Is it to offer certainty? Is it to offer answers? Is it to like challenge the uncertainty? Say, no, everything is okay because blah, 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 blah. Or is, is the way that spirituality, is the way that God, is the way that Jesus speaks to uncertainty a different thing? And I, I do think it is a different thing. I don't think it's offering answers or certainty. So, um, so one theologian that uh, has helped me think through this uh, offers an analogy. And I've, I've thrown it out on Sundays at service before. So perhaps if you've been with us a few years, maybe you've heard this analogy before, but it's been a really helpful one to me. And, um, and the idea is that um, what we were mentioning before, this kind of, um, this classic way to speak to the sufferings of the day by trying to answer the why question. Why did this happen? And if we can just answer the why question, that will make us all feel better. But unfortunately, that often hurts people. Um, so in my case, as somebody who lost their mom to cancer, you know, answering the why question, like, oh, there must have been a plan behind it. There must have been uh, a reason behind it. God must be teaching a lesson. That feels really crappy to me. I, I like I, so God gave my my mom cancer, and like like we have this image of God where like every possible bad thing that might happen ends up on his desk as CEO of the universe, and he looks at it and he thinks, oh, you know, maybe reluctantly, but he signs on and he says, okay, that one's gonna pass. And and that sort of view, um, the analogy that uh, one theologian has has given me is uh, to call that the life is God's blueprint view, the blueprint view of life. Uh, everything is like a very carefully drawn up and drafted blueprint and everything that ever happens fits into that blueprint. And so in my case of losing somebody too young to cancer, that was important to me. That's really hard. Uh, the, the classic one that um, actually the, uh, the first time I was, I was, um, uh, uh, I was inter uh, uh, came in touch with this kind of uh, theology, uh, somebody was discussing how uh, a couple had had a miscarriage and they came to their pastor and their pastor's advice in the situation was, well, you know, like everything happens for a reason. He subscribed to this blueprint theology and said, so there must be some sort of lesson or reason that you need to, you know, come to. And then next time you get pregnant, you'll have a baby. And, and you just think about like the, the danger in such advice and just the injury that can be caused with such, um, such, advice given as though it is from God, as though it is pastoral and just how emotionally removed that is. And, and that was kind of the thing that initially kicked me off of like, I need to seek understanding on this because that is not okay. The, the life as a blueprint view hurts me and I see it hurt these other people. And so I need to come to some sort of understanding. But then as you were saying, Kyle, the understanding that I've come to is not actually that I have a better certainty in place. It's that mm -hmm. I just am more comfortable with the uncertainty of why things happen. 
And so, uh, so the, the, the flip analogy, like uh-huh. blueprint is the one that, that often hurts people. The, the other analogy that is offered is life is more like a battlefield. Uh, and so this would be, it, God is, is one of the forces on that battlefield. And in a, in a minute, I'll tell you why I think God is the most powerful force on that battlefield. But not everything that happens in life uh, can be ascribed to God, goes back to as like God was responsible for it or the author of that experience. And so, Kyle, you were mentioning, I mean, like, like human, uh, human beings' choices. Like, well, there's a you know, great example of like the way that like, well, you know, somebody hurt somebody that doesn't go back to God that goes back to that person, you know? Uh, but other ways I think about this, I, I actually, in, in my understanding of this, I would fit the things that you were mentioning before in this category of like, Hey, it's a bat- life is a battlefield. There are lots of forces at play and therefore there are casualties of war, excuse me, casualties of war in this messy battlefield. And so I would put natural chaos in that, like, the things that cause a hurricane, I think are an example of a force that is not outside of God. God is contending with it. Interestingly, like in the book of Psalms in the Bible, the, um, the way that natural chaos is talked about is like God is trying to corral and bring order to like the mountains that are trying to cave in and the seas are trying to rise and overtake the land. But God is, is, uh, is, is presented as the one who is bringing order and calm to the seas. Jesus himself, you know, calms the sea uh, when, when the disciples are on the boat. Um, and then, I, I mean, basically where that leads me is one of my least favorite comments that has become like common language in America is act of God. Um, like to refer to a hurricane or refer to some sort of natural disaster. I just think, Oh no, like in my grid, that's actually like the opposite. It is not an act of God. It is, it is the nature of life that is this battlefield and there are casualties. And uh, so I would throw, I would throw like biological randomness in there in, in, in this, like I would, you know, like the things that cause a miscarriage, the things that cause a virus that multiplies and mutates and then becomes a pandemic. I would throw that in there as these, these forces that not, that like they dictate how things go. Like it, it is not, not everything comes back to God. And, uh, and, and now God, I think does have power. Like Jesus tells people to, to pray that God's will is done. And I think that there, therein lies Jesus like understanding of this is like, yes, things that happen that are outside of God's will. And that's why we must pray. And that's why we must act. Um, and yeah. so I guess the, the thing that like comes out of that. So what is the great gift that is offered by a God who is powerful? What does it mean that God is all powerful? If it doesn't mean that everything that ever happens comes back to him. And I certainly have some thoughts on that because as you can tell, I, this one gets me amped up and I, and I, I have sought a lot of understanding of this, but Kyle, I, w- I will throw that your way before I'll offer what I'm thinking. Uh, or Jen, I can, yeah. I can invite you in this if there's any comments. Like, yeah, I actually have uh, quite a bit. Um, yeah, I, sorry, Kyle. Um, no, it's all right. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Christina just chimed in with something I thought was so yeah. lovely. Um, it, uh, we, uh, she holds on to the fact that um, God is also sad that this is happening. This is not something he's doing to us, but he is sad that this is happening and he's wrapping his arms around us um, and everyone on the front lines and those suffering and he's suffering with us um, and walking with us in that. And I just thought that was um, so beautiful. Um, and then to kind of circle back on the um, certainty versus uncertainty, um, Laura had a great question 
which is um, she has a lot of non-spiritual friends mm. who um, are coming to her in this time. And um, she feels like when she says, I don't know, you know, and, and giving that up to God, it can sometimes feel like a cop out. Mm. So what would your, what would your advice be in handling those questions with others? I love this. I love all of these comments. I, so just to kind of take those in turn quickly, um, I think that Christina is really onto something. Like, I just think the way that you talked about um, Jesus being sad with us, Jesus experiencing the suffering with us, like that is the picture of God that we get in Jesus. And I do think that uh, Paul, like the, the traditional story of Palm Sunday is really, really um, uh, applicable here because Palm Sunday is Jesus's entrance into Jerusalem uh, for the final week of his life, where he will be betrayed, where he will be crucified, where he will die. And I think this idea that what is the pinnacle of God showing us who he is, it is not like puppet master or blueprint drawer. It is somebody who enters into the playing field, enters into the battlefield, if we use that other analogy. And the power there is not so much that he's behind. Again, like I, I think all powerfulness is important and that does feel comforting to me. And in some way, maybe that speaks to Lars' question of like, the I don't know question feels like sort of a cop-out. And so uh, what, where I think I would, I would go is I would tweak the definition of all-powerful. What we all tend to believe is all-powerful means everything comes back to that. We, authorship. It's like, who started it? Who began it? And I wonder if all-powerful means how do things end, not how do things begin. I think all-powerfulness is God's ability to redeem anything. I mean, that is what we are marking as we launch into Holy Week and lead into Easter is resurrection comes after death. Renewal comes after loss. New life comes after death. And I think this idea that what all powerful means that like there, you know, any number of things can happen in our world. Any number of things can happen to us particularly, or can happen to us as a collective, as humanity. And they might be for any number of reasons that we, it's impossible for us to understand why they happened. But the all powerfulness of God is that he can redeem anything. He can take even terrible things and turn them on their side and make them things that transform us and shape us and grow us. And I think uh, like there's this, uh, there's this amazing line in the book of Genesis that's about the story of Joseph of, uh, of Technicolor Dreamcoat fame, right? And uh, Joseph has been cast off by his brothers uh, has been thrown in a pit and sold into slavery. And then all of these crazy things happen. And Joseph ends up being the one who then saves his brothers and his father from famine. And the line that Joseph uh, reflects on that, that's recorded in the book of Genesis is, you intended it for ill to, to hurt me, but God intended it for good. And I think that's, that's perfect. Like that's an encapsulation of the, rede the redeeming God, the resurrecting God, which is, this is, like who was responsible for this? Well, it's not God. We're not saying that God was like behind it. It was his brothers who were behind what happened, but God can turn anything. And I think all those scriptures that talk about like Romans eight twenty eight of like, uh, which is such a famous one. If you've been in churches where God works all things for the good of those who love him. I, I think, I think what that means is not like that thing that happened to you. That's terrible when you had a miscarriage or when your, uh, your mother got cancer or when you were a part of the world that experienced a pandemic, that terrible thing that happened to you is, is, is not secretly good because God is behind it. God can use it, even it, this horrible, terrible thing to bring about transformation and change and healing. And I'm hogging the conversation. So Kyle, please get me out of here. Yeah, you know, I think the thing that I struggle with most in all of this is 
it feels, you know, and it, we always carry with, carry with us the, the understandings that we had when we first came to understand the world. And for me, as somebody who grew up going to an evangelical-like church, this idea of wrestling with things somehow happening outside of God's agency, it, it still makes me feel uncomfortable. I still right. wrestle with that. I still... Like you feel off hearing that. No, I, I, I think, it, you know, there's a this cognitive dissonance of what I actually believe to be true. And then the cognitive dissonance of like, you know, there's something about that that feels stabilizing to me. And I think that at the end of the day, for me, um, how am I still ex accessing and connecting with a God that I believe to be bigger and more powerful than anything I am facing? But also at the same time say that I think that there's things that are happening that are not his will. And to me, uh, that tension, and maybe that's what it comes down to is the tension, is, is a way better place to live than to just ascribe them all to his will, because then I have to somehow figure out how his will gave space for all of these things that uh, feel so uh, not what I would want to believe or not, so not true of the character of a God that I would like to follow. Um, but at the other time, I, I, I hear Rob asking, like, so where, where are the source of these bad things? I tend to believe that there is some kind of um, evil agency uh, you know, in this world, like whether, you know, the devil feels like a helpful name for that or not. Um, I do think that there is something that is, um, of ill intent at work kind of in a cosmic way. And I, I sometimes think that that is something that's happening. I also believe in, in chaos and randomness. I think that whether I just look at the world and I, I see things like natural disasters, they just, they feel like chaos and randomness or whether I'm looking to the Bible as a source of like, I wonder what this says. There, there is, there is plenty of space and examples for something like uh, kind of randomness happening in the world. Um, and I think that, that, I think all of those are true. And, and I think that there is a sense of, there's just more things at play in any given suffering in any given moment than I can understand. Well, the one thing that I, so, you know, there's this, this dichotomy of, of who God is that almost feel at odd with each other. God is all good. God is all knowing and God is all powerful. And if all three of those things are true, like how do you explain um, when bad things happen? And I, I think to me, when I go to the Bible and I talk, I, and I wrestle with what's going on, what I think about my own interaction of who God is, uh, what is the piece here that feels, um, I should say, I don't think all three of those things carry the same weight. And I think to me that God is all good carries significantly more weight for me. And so whenever I am wrestling with those three things, I am generally punting to God is all good and leaning into that. And the reason I do that, maybe this is again, the feeling part of me is it just feels more helpful when I'm, it feels like it actually can meet me in, in my, in the ways that I need help. And certainly God being all powerful is helpful to me at times. God being all knowing is helpful to me at all at times. But at the end of the day, believing that God is actually good and wanting to be with me. And so if I'm experiencing something that is not good, then I believe him to be on the side of suffering and lament with me in that process. I think that's, and that's why Kevin earlier was just saying like for him, he doesn't, the question why feels less helpful. Going back to the question that Laura says, what happens when people come to you and ask the question why? I think in part, 
this is a picture of what we are as a culture. Like we are a why culture. Like we want to understand things. And I think that is true regardless of how you grew up. And so people want to say, hey, I want to understand this why. And it makes sense. A lot of our world is understanding, like the, the growth of the scientific revolution, all of that makes sense. Uh, we're asking the question why. And I think for me, it, it is actually because there is often in these cosmic questions not a definitive answer for why, it can be somewhat torturing. And so I think we still want to ask, we want to pursue, um, there's a book, uh, there's a theology book that I read a lot a while back, and it's called a Faith, See, uh, a Faith, or sorry, yeah, Faith Seeking Understanding, which is we're trying to understand, but in the end, understanding is not actually what's going to get us what we need. What is going to help us is the experience of a good God that is with us in this process, which is confusing, and, and, and I, I wish I had cleaner answers and cleaner perspectives, but I think the truth is I feel far more unsettled when people come to this question, and they're like, well, this is the answer, this is what I think, because that feels so untrue to how I can approach this question, and I think that it's important for us to be honest, because I think being unnuanced and overly simplified with this, like Joel had a question, and I was like, I don't have an answer for that. He's like, what do we, how does the redemptive nature of God help us for people that have already suffered and died without seeing any redemption in this life. I might point to like, I think that there's some notion of everlasting life, but to me, in the end of the day, that's a really great question and I'm not totally sure I have an answer for it. I think it's important to say, I don't know if I do have an answer for that. I don't know, how does that strike you, I wonder? Yeah, I like, I, there are a lot of threads that I just really like that you went on there. Um, the, I do think that, um, what the, the, the God that you were describing, like you, you described it in sort of like feelings terms, um, that, that seems more in line with the picture of Jesus that Jesus gives us of what God is like, who God is like. I mean, the, the power that Jesus exercises in, in, you know, in terms of like those three, you said all God or all good, all knowing, all powerful. Interestingly, the power that Jesus exercises is powerlessness. He, 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 he ends the cycle of violence here by, by saying, no, I'm not going to continue. I'm not going to turn and scapegoat and blame another. I'm going to be the sufferer so that those the scapegoats in society don't have to be. And so in that sense, it's like, yeah, even Jesus himself de, like de-elevated those ones and, and, and put up, I'm good. And, uh, and so I, I like that. I think, I think you're onto something there, Kyle. And, um, and I suppose, yeah, I mean, that comes back to this idea of um, what's interesting to me is that um, this struggle with uncertainty, because I do think that's what ties this all together. It, it, in some ways, what we're talking about today is the same as the as the conversation that we had last week. The struggle with uncertainty is is everywhere. It is in all people, and it is not just a, uh, a, a something that uh, somebody struggles with. If you are a person of faith, I think that that need to to answer the why question, that need to feel driven to uh, you know to believe that what I really need in life is answers. What I really need in life is you know a, 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 the the correct response to uh, to every question I have. Uh, that I mean, that is in all of us, and I think that's 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 emblematic of the idea that like, it, it, you know, a person of faith might be put in a position because of this like idea about what faith is. Like, oh yeah, it's it's those people who who do think they have answers. I just think those answers are terrible. And I, I think one one thing that I, one way I might speak to this idea of like what what to do as as somebody who who is a believer in God in the midst of a world that obviously so many bad things happen, and if you're questioned on that. I think in one way, this is an opportunity for connection. It's not actually an opportunity because in one way, this is something where all human beings are in the same boat. Like, I actually think, you know, like I, I think the connecting part of that is like, 
Well, anybody who is claiming to know why any particular suffering happened exactly the way it happened is crazy. There is no way to know. It is such a, like, again, I go back to the battlefield analogy of like this, there are so many competing forces and how can any one person know on any given example of a casualty of war? It's impossible to know. And so in, from that place, that's why I need God. And so the, the question becomes is like, is, is God offering a great gift because God sort of gets you out of the uncertainty game or, or makes you think that you can do it? Or is God offering a great gift because the, the idea that I can hold to one who, who can see all of the complexity that I cannot, who can hold all of the overwhelmingness that I cannot, and can be creative and redemptive even in the midst of that in ways that I cannot possibly comprehend or fathom, that I think is the, is, is, I mean, that, that to me is, is why I'm a person of faith at all, because my, my, my journey of faith began in grief, began in not being able to answer a question. And then what, what flew out of that, what, what, or what I was invited into was, yep, there is no answers, but there is, as we talked about last week, there are not necessarily answers, but there is connection. And maybe your soul needs that more. I think the thing that strikes me about all this, and Laura, I go back to like when people come to you and say, why does this happen? Um, you know, a lot of that is you think about religious cliches and how they are actually somewhat emotionally distancing. Like there's not a great follow-up after like God works mysterious ways or like there, there's not a lot of like connection happening in there. It's not like, dude, I don't know. This is, this is really destabilizing to me as well. Like where are you at with this? You know what I mean? Like those are, connection focused things and i think for me often when people ask me questions of why and i feel like i don't have a clear answer the the place that i even say is like i'm not sure and that's actually you know if, if we're having the conversation on the basis of faith and they're like saying as a person of faith how do you understand this you know what i mean um, which is not always the terms of that conversation, but if I if that is, I usually say actually the, the, I don't have an answer, and this is actually why I'm a person of faith is because it is incredibly helpful and meaningful for me to be connected to something larger and bigger than me, something that does understand and does uh, exist in a way that I don't believe I ever will. But there is a level of humility in that for me that was. I, again, maybe this is my evangelical approach coming in, but it was an incredibly hard thing for me to get to the place to admit, I don't think I'll ever understand. Like there's, there's almost like a hit to my pride to say like, oh wow, like through no level of effort or no level of learning, no level of anything, um, I think of the, the Dunning-Kruger effect of like, you know, people who know very little about things are the ones that are most confident about it. And then the more you know about it, the more you kind of question your knowing about it. And that's certainly been my experience in terms of trying to understand God. Um, but I think there is a temptation, almost like the, the, the bliss of staying ignorant in the matrix that is helpful for me sometimes to want to tell myself like, uh, you know, I do, I can't understand this or like, it does make sense. Like there's something about that that wants to feel comforting to me. Yeah. And so honestly in this space, I've been more asking like, what are the things that are helpful to me from a faith perspective? Like, what are the things within the tradition of faith that have really, um, really benefited me in terms of navigating this space? And I'm, I'm curious for you, Vince, in this time and space, when you're wrestling with something that feels senseless, something that feels evil, like, what are the, has there been any pieces in terms of, of like, uh, well, this actually does feel like the helpful thing for me to pursue right now? 
Yeah, let's, uh, that's great because they, I feel like we're, we're having such a good conversation, but for the sake of time, we're going to have to bring it to a close. So we'll end with a few like practical nubs here. And uh, can we just say the conversation has been super generative. And so uh, we, we can continue this uh, and, and further, Sundays we can continue this in further conversation uh, online. Um, so we, we, the, this won't be the end, uh, but we'll try, to, we'll try to attempt to uh, bring this down for a landing, at least for now. Um, yeah, practically speaking, I think um, to me the the thing that has been um, the the thing that try to like makes its way into my prayer life is this idea of like tweaking the definition of all powerful. Um, I think that that's the thing that um, that actually ends up being like useful to me in like how do I live this out? If, if you know th this is all very like ideas like nobody, none of us know, right? This is it's crazy. Like, we, we don't know. Like, that's the whole point of this is that we don't know. Anyone who's claiming to know is crazy. And, uh, but, but the idea of thinking like, the picture that Jesus shows me, and, and again, I, I bring it back to Palm Sunday, and we're entering into Holy Week, and we're entering into Good Friday, and then Easter Sunday, the picture that Jesus shows us of God, of goodness, of power, of any of those things, is uh, all powerful means resurrecting, redeeming, means taking anything. And we, it's, not, it's not making any comments about where those things came from or why they happened. But what it is saying is where they will end up can be good. And that's the craziness of this. Even the worst, most horrible trauma can be turned for good by the redemptive God. And that's the story of Jesus. And so I think kind of lit, like making that the starting point of my prayer of like, God, I'm looking to you who redeems. I'm looking to you who resurrects. I'm not looking to you who's like all powerful puppet master or blueprint God. I'm looking to you who redeems. I'm looking to you resurrect. Like trying to keep those images in my head. Does that make sense? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, I think to me, the thing that feels really helpful in this space is recognizing what I need at different times. And, and what you need is somebody who's different than me and what I need are probably different things at any given moment. And right. I think that's why it's helpful. I think, I think about the, the terms of uh, what Jesus is usually inviting people into in, in the New Testament and then what the tradition of faith, and you've talked about this when you did a whole series connected to Hero's Journey. Yeah. It's actually, the, there's a lot of our life that is about trying to keep things certain and in control. Like I'm following the trajectory of my life because you know my society somewhat tells me if I do these things, then I can expect certain outcomes. And we're in a place right now where we're like, okay, so I guess A plus B doesn't equal C. Okay, that's interesting. Um, but actually I think what we see often Jesus doing is saying, step with me into some uncertainty. Like, let's, let's step out of the default, this is what you do to be happy. This is what you do to be successful. This is what you do to get approval in your social structure. And how about you follow me into something that is actually far less stabilizing, far less certain, because you trust that I'm there with you. And so sometimes to me, it's like looking at it like an adventure of like, I'm stepping into uncertainty. And that's actually more exciting to me. You know, sometimes it just feels heavy and hard. And I think actually the Psalms in general are really helpful for me right now, because my brain is so overwhelmed, I can't even think about what to pray half the time. really appreciated Dee's prayer in the beginning, because to me, reading the prayers of other people, which is what the Psalms are, in their different stages, has almost uh, allowed me to attach myself to things that other people have found helpful. And the Psalms have like rejoicing Psalms, they have songs of, of hope and celebration, and then they have lamenting Psalms, things that are about lamenting what is happening and realizing God exists in all of those different places and different spheres. And so to me, the two that I personally have been oscillating back and forth from, and I actually do this with music as well, sometimes music can help me speak 
internally, has been the lamenting of this sucks, doesn't this suck, this is terrible. This is part of the NT Wright article was talking about these psalms that lament. And that's felt really helpful to feel like, what, God is sad about this too. And then on the other end of it has, is believing that, and this is the, the, the picture of redemption that you were talking about, which is not trying to assign agency to what I'm doing, but what if the, any hardship I'm going through is not for loss? Like it's not for nothing. Like, I don't just go through hardship and then it was just hardship. What if God has something that he can do out of that? Not saying it's good, not saying it was worthwhile, not saying we would go to the beginning and do it all over again, but just the sense of like, in this pandemic right now, what if God can do this to reset some of the rhythms in my life that were unhealthy? What if he can do this to help me rethink through some of my priorities? What if can make our society more just as a result of this, right? Yeah, or help me think about, we were just reading The Good Samaritan, we watched The Good Samaritan with Kids Church today, and I walked away from it, I was like, oh, what's being a Good Samaritan right now? It's staying at home. You know, it's like, that. that's what being a Good Samaritan is right now, is what is the Samuel Jackson one? Um, so we're, I think for me, that those have been the helpful realizing is that at different moments, I need different things, and that's what, Jesus is offering us is actually dynamic, personalized connection, help, support, no matter kind of where we're coming from. And, and to, we have to be careful of seeing people post things on Facebook that seem to work really well for them too much and thinking, oh, well, maybe that should work well for me, rather than saying, well, that's working well for them. I wonder if at a space that would work well for me and, and rather asking what would actually be what I need. Yeah, that's very good. That's very good. Just the individual nature of uh, God's God's spirit can work with each of us individually for what we each need in this, and it won't be the same. You're right. I mean, like, I it, I think it's a it's a good it's a good back and forth between you and I, as you said, because you're more on the feelings perspective or on the thinking perspective for me. And there's countless examples of those spectrums, right? So what will be what will be helpful for me will not be helpful for you, and and vice versa. Um, so we, I, I just I'm. I'm, I'm sad to say that just to respect everybody's time, we'll need to stop there, but we have a log of today's chat and we will not let it go to waste. So I look forward to, I think what we'll do as this week goes on is uh, offer some chance to, for Kyle and I to respond a bit more to the questions that were, uh, that were thrown out here. 